So, you suspect your child might have dyslexia. What can you expect as you start to think about assessment? We're Nick and Sonia, and this is Dyslexia Journey, where we help you support the dyslexic kid in your life. So today we want to talk a little bit about assessment, especially kind of right when you're first starting to think about it, some things to expect and, and be aware of ahead of time. Uh, and so the first, we're kind of divided up into four different categories of things to be thinking about and be aware of. The first one is about the tests themselves and what they're comprised of. Um, and so something you may not realize is that there is no single test for dyslexia. Um, they're, they're generally looking for several different things that we'll go into now, but there isn't just one standard test. Right. And different assessors, different, um, schools or different private assessors might use different, uh, uh, different combinations of tests. Um, there are, they're, they're all kind of generally looking for, for the same kind of thing. Um, but there's a lot of there's really a plethora of different tests out there. And so the, the, the sort of specific tests that your child uh, might be given are definitely going to vary. Right. Uh, and so the kind of the four things that they're really looking for, um, the first is phonological awareness. And so that is um, really just the idea that words are made up of, um, of individual sound parts. And so that the way that they get at that, is um, by asking kids to rhyme um, words, for example, uh, or to divide words up into syllables. And so that's trying to get at that sort of um, just first, like, understanding of um, the composition of words um, orally. This isn't getting into the written, uh, the actual reading part of it yet. Right. So so like Nick said, that's going to be uh, more of an oral kind of testing, mm -hmm. usually. And um, But the next one, decoding, is maybe what we might think of as the more st standard kind of test, even though it's not only this. Um, and decoding means the connection between letters or parts of words and the sounds that they make. So that's, um, could a kid look at um, a letter, you know, know what sound it makes, but also like a part of a word, um, would they have a sense of how to pronounce that, for example? Mm -hmm. And then the, uh, the third thing that they might be, that they will be looking for is reading fluency and comprehension. Um, and so that's sort of, I guess, you can think of this, these as somewhat levels, like um, it's hard to, to decode without understanding the phonological um, aspect of it. And it's hard to have reading fluency and comprehension without being able to decode. And so um, reading fluency and comprehension are actually two different things. Uh, we, don't, we don't often think about the two different aspects, but fluency it's just how how accurately and quickly can you read something, but not necessarily understand it. And then comprehension is, uh, do you understand what you're reading and can you retain the information? Right. And, you know, sometimes at a pretty deep level, depending on the mm -hmm. comprehension test. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And then the final one that they're looking for can be rapid naming. And so it's things, rapid naming just as a general category means things that should be familiar. So it could be letters, numbers, um, but also commonly used words might be in that category. And so like, can they just quickly recognize that and easily make that connection that this is something that's familiar to me already? Mm -hmm. Like, I think this is where the concept of sight words might come in. Um, 
Yeah, I think so. Although it can be even really, you know, small sight words like the or uh, mm-hmm. things like that. And, and that can be surprisingly difficult, actually, for a dyslexic person sometimes, like just because of the nature of dyslexia. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that was the first sort of um, aspect of assessments that, that we think it's important to be aware of going in. Um, and then I guess, did you want to talk about the, the second? Yeah, well, there's just, this one's kind of almost uh, a caveat to the first, uh-huh. um, the second one, which is that sometimes other aspects of a brain difference um, might be coming into play instead. So mm-hmm. some ones here, particularly that might pertain to those kinds of tests we just talked about are slower executive functioning. Um, than the average and similarly slower processing speed could really affect this, particularly because um, these tests often are timed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, rapid naming, obviously you hear the rapid like in the word, right? The idea is how quickly can you make that association? But if you also had a slower processing speed in your brain, that could be that could be involved as well or instead of a potential yeah, dyslexia and, diagnosis. And as we've discussed um, previously um, on this channel, a lot of testing um, in schools is is timed, time pressured, um, including these assessments. Not all of these assessments are, and different people do it differently. But mm-hmm. but sometimes when you're being assessed for dyslexia, it is going to be a timed uh, exercise, and so that that definitely um, you can you can easily see how like a slow processing um, or slow executive functioning type of difference in the brain could also contribute uh, to problems with um, the various aspects. Of, of reading that they're looking for in the assessments as well. Right. And yeah. so the next aspect um, has to do with, I think we often think of the schools as sort of like a first a first place where the testing might happen, but let's talk a little bit more yeah. about how that might play out. Right. So really, um, this, this is really just something to be aware of. Like if you think your kid has dyslexia, um, you cannot assume that the schools will detect it. Uh, they... Um, the, the sort of requirements of screening for dyslexia vary by state and jurisdiction, um, at least in the U.S., and I'm not really familiar with the, the laws in other countries. Um, but in general, you just can't assume the school is gonna, going, going to be to detect it properly. And there's a few reasons for this. Um, the first is that uh, screening just isn't standard in all, in all school districts. Um, some states mandate it, some don't. There's different levels of screening that's mandated. Um, some districts have it, some don't. Um, and then even if it is mandated, the standard tests that they give might not detect all forms of dyslexia. So, um, for example, our daughter, um, who has dyslexia, who we talk about a lot on, on, on this show, um, her dyslexia was not detected in school, um, in, in, even though she was struggling to read in, in kindergarten and first grade, it, it, wasn't, um, it wasn't diagnosed until several years later. Um, and she does have um, what we've talked about before, uh, so-called stealth dyslexia, which does um, kind of get masked and is is harder to diagnose. Um, so that's just something to be aware of. Yeah, and then testing's also usually just done in one grade. Um, you know, when they make it standard, they sort of pick a grade, often kindergarten or first mm-hmm. grade, and um, and so of course, like that also, you know, provides a lot of times when someone could slip through the cracks and, and not exactly. be detected. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you might not realize like for us um, in kindergarten, we didn't, when our daughter was in kindergarten, we didn't really sort of realize the extent of the problem yet because mm-hmm. uh, kids without dyslexia, like everyone learns to read kind of at a diff, slightly different age and a slightly different, at, at a slightly different rate. And so we just assumed 
thought at the beginning that she was just learning to read a little bit later than, mm-hmm. than other kids. Right, right. Um, and and then also the testing isn't as thorough that's done through the schools. It's, you know, an hour. I mean, in our case, when they just did a quick check, it was even less than that versus often like at a private center, it'd be more like a day and a half for private testing. So as you can imagine, there's like much more full battery of tests, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they're looking at. And so yeah. it's much easier to slip through the cracks with that shorter testing. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the last point, um, did you want to talk about the last point? Sure. So the, the, the fourth thing we wanted to talk about today as you're starting to look at assessment is how, you know, so-called giftedness where a child's maybe more advanced in a certain area could interfere with the dyslexia diagnosis. Um, so it's partly because a child might be easier able to compensate in certain ways if they're really strong in certain skills. Um, but it could also be that they're more advanced in a certain topic. So if you think of something like comprehension, they might be able to, if they're really good at a certain topic or know it really well, or, you know, just naturally like are good at it, they're going to be able to like connect the dots a little easier. And it, right. it won't like something like not having as much comprehension in it might not show up as easily because of that. Right. Um, so it's definitely something that can mask dyslexia. Um and there are there are some centers out there who specifically test in ways that they try to to figure this out. And so how they're able to do this without getting too far into it is that they're able to do some other tests to figure out like um, how good or cert- how intelligent they are in certain categories that doesn't have as much to do with the reading, you know, and the things that dyslexia would be trouble with. And then they can compare it to trying to do it when it is with the reading. And they can see like that if there's a really big gap mm-hmm. between when something that dyslexia is going to cause trouble for is involved or not. Yeah. And that's, um, again, something that the schools aren't probably going to catch. Um, because if you have a kid with, with dyslexia who is performing at grade level or higher in school, um, the schools are not going to be worried about that kid, right? And we've talked about this before that especially stealth dyslexia can be really masked um, by, by uh, quote, giftedness. And uh, it, this really uh, affects, and it's not that the schools um, don't care about your child. It's just that if they're not sort of obviously struggling and way below grade level, they're just not going to get the attention in the sort of resource strapped public school setting. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So what can you do about this? Let's talk about a few ways. Yeah. Things you could, you can start to think about doing. Yeah. And so, um, I guess our first tip here is that you can and should always request, uh, dyslexia screening from your school. If you suspect that your child has dyslexia, um, it doesn't matter what grade they're in. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, whether they've been previously tested, um, it never hurts to request that screening. Now, we're not um, legal experts, so we don't we don't know like whether your school will always be obligated to provide that. Um, but when well, it might be different, different it, district states, you know, yeah, countries. That, so. But um, um, but it never hurts to ask, mm-hmm. right? Like the worst that can happen is they say no, and then you have to seek something else out. So that like that should always be your your first step, I think. Right, because it could end up that the kind of test that they give does catch it. In your right. case, for example, right. um, it's just important to keep in mind that if it if it does come out as like a negative that that they don't have dyslexia, that it might not have been comprehensive enough. Yeah. And so go with your gut. Like, if, mm-hmm. like we talked about this before too, like if you suspect 
that there's something um, going on there with your child that, that they might have um, a learning difficulty, that it might be dyslexia, even if the school says that they haven't detected it, um, it's worth pursuing other avenues. Right, right. And then, um, so if, so this does get into some cost issues here, but like yeah. really private testing is the most comprehensive. Um, so, you know, it's recommended though often expensive. It, it is, it really is not cheap. Um, it, it's really important we believe to get your child diagnosed though. So mm -hmm. if you can afford it, um, it is, we definitely think it's worth doing, but we realize of course that, that not everyone um, can afford that. And it's good to check with your district um, for who can do the assessment that will be considered, you know, mm -hmm. a valid test too. So checking yeah. into everything that's required and will be considered valid yeah. as you're picking that. And then um, if cost is an issue, which I think it is for most people, um, if you're near, one option is that if you're near a university, um, they often will have testing that isn't necessarily free, but is a lot cheaper than the private options. Mm -hmm. um, so this is often if there's like a school of education um, at, at the university uh, or, or something like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be a school of education. It could be psychology, something like that. Um, they'll often offer testing, um, maybe run by grad students that's, that's, or maybe part of, um, programs there to sort of help the community or maybe part of a research study. Like there's, it's definitely worth looking into. Mm -hmm. Although keeping in mind that that doesn't still necessarily mean that it'll be the most comprehensive test. Right. Or that they'll like they might not be looking for the stealth dyslexia, for example, and the whole thing we just talked about like giftedness often doesn't apply either. So it, even though that's a great option mm -hmm. and probably a next step, especially in terms of consideration of cost, um, it's still worth keeping in mind that even though they're a university, it still might not catch your child's dyslexia. Right. So hopefully that's helpful, and you can sort of see maybe some steps and some some of the things to expect from the tests. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and if anyone else has experiences with as they started out assessment and how it went that they want to share, we'd love to hear it in the comments. And if anyone else has any experiences with assessment that they'd like to share, or any tips about it, we would love to hear about it in the comments. Thanks. Thanks.